Good morning, brothers and sisters. It's a wonderful day to be alive. Enjoy the sunshine, the warm weather that's finally coming. And as I was driving in, I couldn't help but notice all the beautiful farmland here. And uh, we, we live in London, not too far from here, but we sure enjoy lots of the vegetation, vegetables that you grow here in this beautiful part of the world. I grew up in a home where my dad was a very humble German carpenter. My dad came from a very large German family of 18 children. When he was just very young, his father decided, you can't waste time going to school. You need to work on the farm. Consequently, my dad only had grade three education. But he taught me so much. And what he taught me helps me when I preach, because I preach all over the world and every time I stand up to preach, anywhere in any country, I always hear my father in the back of my head. He says, keep it short, tell them what the problem is, and how to fix it. It's simple as that. So when I preach, I don't have a whole list of points I try to make in a sermon. Because even though my father has passed on and is now in heaven, I don't want to disappoint him. And so I want to take a few minutes this morning and I want to talk to you about something that I believe is near and dear to the heart of God. You know, there are two things that God really, really, really loves. There are many things he loves, but two particular. One is the church. God loves the church. The second are the poor. God loves the poor. God has an incredible heart for those that are poor. And he loves when we, his people, reach out and help the poor. And so I want to take a few minutes this morning and walk you through what I simply call the theology of poverty. And here's the reason I want to do this. Most people that live in Canada have never experienced really, really extreme poverty. I mean, there are lots of poor people. There are people that go without. But I'm talking the kind of poverty where you go days without eating, I'm talking the kind of poverty where you don't even know if you're going to live another day. There aren't a lot of Canadians who have experienced that. Most of what we in Canada know about poverty, we learn from watching television. We learn from marketing messages, from advertising. And so we're led to believe that the answer or the cure for poverty is money. And so we're told by the television commercials, if we take our telephone and we call a certain number, 
give our credit cards, make a donation, that we will help end poverty. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible has a very different, different understanding of poverty. And that's what I want to take us through a little journey this morning over the next few minutes. And I've got a picture here of a friend of mine. His name is Tony Beltran. And the reason I have that picture is to inspire me to be honest with you about what the scripture says. Tony was a young boy in the Dominican Republic who knew poverty. He was so poor that his mother had to choose which member of the family could eat today because there wasn't enough food for all of them. God answered his mother's prayer and his prayer, and he was registered into one of our Compassion Church projects in the Dominican Republic. And there he found two things. He found love and he found Jesus. And that picture of him right there, he's on the cover of our latest Compassion magazine. He is now the Compassion Director of all of our work in the Dominican Republic. He manages a staff of over 100 people and he cares for over 100,000 children in Compassion's program in Dominican Republic. That's why his picture inspires me, because God did a miracle in his life. God took him from the depths of poverty into a place where God can use him in a tremendous way in the kingdom of God. Let's bow together, let's pray, and invite the Holy Spirit to take us on this journey. Father God, we commit this time to you. We pray that you would lead us through your Holy Spirit. We pray that the words of Scripture will come alive in our hearts this morning. And we pray, God, that you would give us a renewed passion for the church and for the poor. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, following my father's advice, I'm going to give you two points this morning. The first one comes from his question, what's wrong? What's broken? What does the Bible say about the cause of poverty? And so to do that, I take you back to the book of Genesis, the opening chapters of the Bible, where we read the story of creation. It's an amazing story. I imagine you've read it to your grandchildren recently. It's a story that we learn very young, especially if we are brought up in the church. In the opening chapters of the Bible, we find there a world in which everything is perfect. God created a perfect world. He didn't make any mistakes. He didn't take any shortcuts. He created a perfect world. In this perfect world, there was no such thing as poverty. In fact, there wasn't even a word for poverty in the dictionary if they would have had one in those days. But something, something terribly wrong happened early in the life cycle of these two people God created called Adam and Eve. God said, everything here in this Garden of Eden is yours. Adam didn't have to work 
Eve didn't have to work. They were on a lifelong vacation. Some of you might have gone on an all-inclusive vacation or on a cruise where you just get up in the morning and food's there. You don't have to work. You just wait till the next meal comes. That was the life Adam and Eve had. It was a perfect life, a life like we would just dream of having. But one day, they, did, they disobeyed God. They ate from that particular tree in the center of the garden that God said, no, 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 if you eat of that, then something terrible is going to happen. You will, you will have consequences. They disobeyed God, they ate of the tree, and this perfect world that God created instantly changed. And from that moment on, every human being born was born into a world of poverty. Romans tells us this, and I'll just give you a brief understanding of what that verse says. It tells us that even generations after who didn't sin as Adam and Eve did still bear the consequences of Adam and Eve's sin. You see, poverty first entered the world because of sin. Poverty didn't, wasn't created because Adam and Eve ran out of money. Poverty wasn't created because there was no more food in their refrigerator. Poverty was created as a result of that first sin that Adam and Eve committed by eating the forbidden fruit. Because that sin brought the curse. And that curse is what created poverty. So that every human being born after Adam and Eve suffered the consequences of their sin. Our relationship with the land was affected. Some of you are farmers, and you know how we fight with the thorns and the thistles and the weeds. That is a result of that first sin. And in many parts of the world today, many people do not have food. They cannot even grow food because the land has been cursed. The lack of food is not the cause of poverty. The sin that cursed the ground is the cause of poverty. The lack of food is the outcome. So our relationship with the land has changed. Our relationship with one another has changed. In this world in which we live, and you know this from your life experience, there is far too much hatred. There's far too much war. All of that is a result of that first sin. And it's that hatred, it's that war that exasperates poverty. It doesn't cause it. It is a result of poverty. And then the Bible tells us very clearly that our relationship with God was also affected and impacted by that original sin. So broken people, people who have sinned, create broken systems. 
And those broken systems create a lot of the problems that we call poverty today. You probably have been watching the news lately, what's going on in the country of Venezuela in South America. You thought, you think of a great example of what I'm talking about here. Broken people, sinful people, create broken systems. We can go way back to the great wars, and we see tyranny. We see very, very broken and bad people creating broken systems. And every human being on earth suffers because of that brokenness. That brokenness all traces back to the first book of the Bible and the sin of Adam and Eve. It's from this curse, the curse that came on the human race because of Adam and Eve's sin, it's from this curse that Jesus came to set us free. So if poverty at its basic level is a spiritual problem, then the answer to poverty must be a spiritual answer. That's why, as I alluded to earlier, throwing more money at poverty will not cease it. It will not stop or cure poverty. We must go deeper into the heart of men and women and boys and girls around the world if we are going to address poverty. So in a very brief nutshell, what's the problem? What is broken? The answer is the world is broken because of sin. So if the world is broken because of sin, what is the answer to that sin? What is the Bible's answer? The Bible has a lot to say about poverty. It has a tremendous amount to say. And uh, if, if we want to first go to the book of Luke, we see there uh, a scripture in Luke chapter 4, verse 18. We see there a scripture that I love because the picture that this scripture paints in my mind is beautiful. It's a picture of Jesus coming back to his hometown in Nazareth, coming into the synagogue and standing before all the people and reading from the scroll of Isaiah. He reads these words, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to preach the gospel. Many translations call this the good news of the gospel to the poor. This, ladies and gentlemen, is a secret nutshell of the answer to poverty. Most people who work with poverty around the world totally ignore this scripture. Most aren't even aware that it exists. But ladies and gentlemen, this is a big part of us understanding how to fix poverty. Jesus came to earth for one reason, to bring the good news of the gospel. Sin destroyed the world. God has a solution. And that solution is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And the, the mechanism that God uses to bring this good news is the church. 
Most organizations that work with the poor follow the same strategy. They give things to the poor. They give handouts, they give foreign aid, they give food and medicine, and all these things are good. Jesus did the same thing. But if poverty was simply a lack of food or education or medicine, then we would, we would be encouraged to focus only on those things. But because the cause of poverty is spiritual, then we need a spiritual solution. We need the supernatural intervention of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's where Compassion's ministry was formed 65 plus years ago when God spoke to an evangelist to go out into the world and to minister to children in severe poverty. But the ministry wasn't just food, although that was part of it. The ministry was built on the gospel, which is the answer to poverty. You know, when the, when the human heart encounters Jesus Christ, we change from the inside out. And we specialize at compassion in helping poor children because that's where we have found the greatest impact. When, when a child comes to Jesus Christ, they have their whole life ahead of them to live. And so God has raised up this ministry called Compassion to minister to children, and through these children, we're extending the ministry to their families. We don't want to simply release children from poverty. We want to release them for the purpose God created them for. I like to think of it this way because my background, just like my dad, is carpentry. Um, and my, my, my dad used to always say, you can tell a really good carpenter by how many fingers he's, he's missing. Well, let me show you this. My whole hand with a chop saw. After that accident, I couldn't wait to go to my father and say, I'm a better carpenter than you. Because my father only lost the tips of two fingers. I lost my whole hand. And so we have this, we used to have this, this fun time together where I would say, I'm a better carpenter than you. And he'd say, prove it. And I'd hold up my hand. I like building. I love and I learned this from my dad. I love taking raw material and creating something out of it. I build all the houses that I've lived in. Uh, I've built the, the first church I pastored. I, I love building things, building furniture or whatever. I have a passion for that. And that's, what I, that's why I love being part of Compassion's ministry. Because we are building one child at a time. The Great Commission tells us to go into all the world and preach the gospel, to make disciples. Disciple-making is building. If, if you don't understand the concept of building, you're not going to understand what discipleship is because discipleship is building people, one piece, one 
block at a time. No other single strategy has the power to change lives and to change circumstances than the gospel of Jesus Christ. At Compassion, we follow three very important ingredients. One, Christ-centered. Compassion is all about Christ. Second, child-focused. We specialize in children. Jesus said, unless you become like a child, you can't even enter the kingdom of God. The third important building block is the church. Christ-centered, child-focused, church-based. Every single compassion program anywhere in the world is based in a local church, and we have over 7,000 of those programs around the world. And so I encourage you today to join in Compassion's ministry, to join Jesus in helping to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. It's not about giving food. It's not about handing things out. We do all those things just like Jesus did. But Jesus didn't come to earth to feed the hungry. He didn't come to earth to heal the sick. He didn't come to earth to teach people. He came to earth to bring the gospel, the good news from God the Father. Why then did Jesus do so much healing and so much feeding and so much teaching? For the same reason we do. Because we love the people God has called us to minister to. And so I invite you today to join Compassion. I invite you to become part of a movement that is looking to the scripture for the cause and the answer to poverty. Not to the television sets, not to the marketing message, but to scripture. Poverty has its roots in the, in the first sin and the curse, the consequences of that sin. And poverty has its answer in the same Bible. A little further on, the person, the life of Jesus Christ. May God bless you.